Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Remember the 12 disciples? One day they stood before, after Jesus went back to heaven, they stood in the religious authorities looked at him and go, called them unschooled and untrained. But they noticed one other thing that you need to understand. They had been with Jesus. Something had changed in their life. You see, we're just old pots that have no value except that God's in it. There's a desire in all people to feel important. No matter their station or status in life, there is a yearning to feel as though they have a value they can grasp, can hang on to. When you give your life to God, He asks, no, He demands that you give that desire up. He wants you to find your value in the fact that you're a child of God. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the boy David and his humble beginnings. It seems that from an early age that David had a relationship with God and as a shepherd had lots of time to contemplate his standing with God as well as God's greatness. Many of the Psalms resulted from this contemplation. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Life of David. As God looks at your heart tonight, what does he see? Does he see a hearing heart? A heart tuned to the voice of God. Does he see an obedient heart wanting to obey God's will? Does he see a soft heart fearing God? Does he see a teachable heart? like Samuel, wanting to learn the ways of God? Does he see a compassionate heart, seeing people as God sees them? Does he see a wise heart, understanding the difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of men? And does he see a trusting heart, 100% sold out to the will of God? That's what you're going to see from King David. That's what I want in my heart. And then Jesse called Abinadad and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. You wonder where the little earplugs came from, from somebody outside the room speaking. This is the first place in the Bible you ever see that. Samuel has a little earplug. Son walks by and God speaks into his ear. That's not the one. Pass on by. These people are thinking, what are you listening to? I'm listening to God. I'm just joking with you. But look how current he hears God's voice. They're passing in front of him, and he's hearing God's voice. That's powerful. That's current. That's 24-7, hearing the voice of God. Because he's getting answers. That's not the one. That's not the one. 
That's not the one. It was done in real time. And Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And here we get down through the list. Jesse had seven of the sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So Samuel has that hearing ear. He's now teachable. He's now going, "Uh uh-oh, I chose the first one. That was stupid. I'm shutting up and listening to God. And he did. He was teachable. So he asked Jesse, verse 11, are these all the sons you have? (laughs) Okay, did I miss something from God? Well, there is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said to him, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. That's a little bit of a stimulus to make them obey. We're going to stand here until you do what I say. So small, Redpath says, so small was David in his father's esteem that it wasn't considered necessary to include him in the family when the prophet of God called him to sacrifice. I thought about this a lot. Think about this statement I'm going to make. Had David's father been making the dangerous mistake of playing favorites with his children? If you're a parent tonight, don't ever play favorites with your children. Well, this is a smart one. This is a good-looking one. This is a sharp one. This one's a little slower, whatever. God made them and gave them to you as a gift. He has a great plan for every single one of them. Don't play favorites. Linda and I, as parents, we tried to work that all our life because we saw the disasters in ministry of so many people doing that. The star athlete, the gal that's in the beauty thing or whatever, and everybody else is kind of just in the background. If you've headed down that road tonight, cut it out. Just go on back. Love all your kids equally. Because they need to be loved and appreciated. Now, David had to be brought to the feast. It seemed in his father's eyes, why invite the shepherd boy in? He's nothing. He'd never, God certainly wouldn't be interested in him. Can you imagine the small talk in the room (laughs) as David is headed to the house? And the brothers go, what are, what are we, like mincemeat here? You didn't, you didn't choose this. And he's calling for who? David. David was overlooked by man, but he was not overlooked by God. Verse 12, so he sent, Hannah brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. So he wasn't. He wasn't ugly in his physical. Actually, he's a good-looking guy. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So when David is finally brought in, we see that he's good-looking. He has a red complexion. He has bright eyes, good-looking, handsome. And to top it off, later we discover he's strong. Listen to F.B. Meyer. He had not the splendid physique of his brother Elab, but he was strong and athletic. 
His feet were as nimble as a gazelle's. He could leap a wall or outstrip a troop. A bow of steel could easily be broken by his young arms. A stone sent from his sling would hit the mark with unerring precisions. The sensitivity of this poet's soul combined with daring resource and power to command. His dress, a coarse and simple tunic. His accoutrements, the wallet sling, and his rod, and his staff. You see, God knew what he was doing. Out in the wilderness, and it would continue, by the way, God had been preparing him to be a king. Forget that shepherds were despised, a lowly job with no potential. Yet all alone with the sheep, plenty of time to look at the skies, David would learn so many lessons that later we would see all through the book of Psalms. Let me read you one. Picture David with his sheep on the hills one night. I don't know about you, but the last few nights with a full moon stepping out against a dark sky, beautiful, beautiful. Listen to what David says. He's sitting with these sheep as a shepherd boy. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. The voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. A keeper of sheep. Why in the world would God choose a young David, a young shepherd? Well, you know, As we move through the scriptures, we discover that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, would be classified as what? A great shepherd who would lay his life down for a sheep. As you go through this, here's what I want you to think about tonight. When God chooses a person for a certain area of ministry, it's contrary to our reasoning. He likes to just shock us. You see, to be honest, what we discover in David's life, even though he's going to be anointed here in a moment, think about this. David will not have the throne for 25 years. 25 years. He's going to head right back to the fields. Now, it doesn't make a bit of sense to us, does it? Doesn't make a bit of sense. 25, 25 wasted years? It's not wasted. So what does David have to learn with this? He's going to be anointed. You'll see it at the last verse we talk about tonight. And he was right back to the field, tending sheep, doing the very same thing he's always been doing. I want you to write this statement down because it's very important for all of us. Be patient. Learn right where you're at. You see, he was not through learning the things God wanted to teach him. And we'll study many of those things. He's not going to be king. He's anointed to be king. But he's not ready yet to be king. Be patient wherever you're at. Do whatever God has called you to do faithfully unto the Lord. Be faithful in the little things. Luke 19, 17 says, Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in the very small matter, take charge of ten cities. That's God's will for us today. The very same thing. Be all where you're at right now. Maybe God's given you a vision of a new thing he's going to call you to do. Until he 
places you there, be faithful where you're at. Don't be looking for the forward. Don't be anxious for the forward. Simply be there. Now, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, because I want you to see that God's way of working with humans is no different than it was with David. You see, we are no different than David. David, on the surface, had nothing to offer God. I mean, he's the last thought in the hearts even of his dad. And that's just because we do not see as God sees. First Corinthians chapter 1, go down to verse 25. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Now remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, here's the key, no one can boast in the presence of God. See, once again, we see that God picks a nobody. In fact, someone who is really an unlikely of all unlikely candidates for king. That's a habit that God had. A few weeks ago, where Gideon knelt down. Gideon was called to lead. That pattern is over and over and over again in the Scripture. Remember the 12 disciples? One day they stood before, after Jesus went back to heaven, they stood and the religious authorities looked at them and called them unschooled and untrained. But they noticed one other thing that you need to understand. They had been with Jesus. Something had changed in their life. You see, we're just old pots that have no value except that God's in it. And he makes us that way. The pattern is the same. That's why I started tonight when you looked at somebody and you went, you're a nobody. It was a finger that came back to you. And all of your fingers came to me. Why? We're nobodies. But when we accepted Jesus Christ, we became somebodies because we're children of God tonight. And our worth is not us. It's who lives in us. And that's what you're going to see. We're just ordinary garden people. God gets the glory. Now go back to 1 Samuel 16, 13. We end with this verse because you're going to see something that makes us worth something. It's that God lives in us. Verse 13, so Samuel took the horn of oil. By the way, that's not like when you come to get anointed tonight, uh, and when you go to the back room, get anointed for healing. You know, we put a little cross on your head. This is a horn of oil. And it's going to go all over David from head to toe. I mean, he probably didn't smell good before. He really has got a mixed smells right now. He took the horn of oil. He anointed him. I think the Bible is interesting. 
in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, from that day on, underline this in your Bible, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. That's the key. Notice the word upon. It's the same principle as in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit came upon. When Jesus was being baptized, the Spirit came upon him. The oil signifies the power of the Holy Spirit. Different, we'll talk later, in the Old Testament than the New Testament. Today, every believer has God living in them and can be filled with the Spirit of God. It doesn't seem that even though this was done in the presence of the brothers, it doesn't seem like Jesse and the family really understood it, but Samuel understood it, and David knew. Spirit of the Lord would come on David. It would be years before the crown would be on his head. But from that day forward, the kingdom was already David's. I thought about this while I was studying this week. That day that that happened, what was that morning like for David? It was like every other day in his life. He started out in the field with his sheep, singing, taking care of them, protecting the sheep. All of a sudden, he's called to home. And that day would change his life forever. Notice the end of verse 16. Samuel then went to Ramah. Samuel leaves. And where does David go? Back to the field. I don't know if he went in, took a shower, got cleaned up, whatever. Back to the field. 25 years, back and forth to the field all over the place. What would happen in your life and my life if we waited that long? Anybody here think you'd get anxious? I'm king. What am I doing out here? I want you to write this last statement. You've heard me teach on it before, but we need to be reminded of it. With God, waiting time is not wasted time. God uses all kinds of waiting time in our lives. I was thinking Abraham. They had the promise that a son was coming. They had to wait 30 years for that promise. Jesus. How many years did Jesus wait until he could begin his ministry? 30. I thought about myself many years ago because of Pastor Chuck. One day in Merritt Island, God had been speaking to Linda and I for five years about coming down to Melbourne, Palm Bay. We really didn't know anything much about the area, just that there were some people that drove up to Merritt Island somehow five years before God began speaking to us. And I remember almost 19 years ago now in a pastor's conference in Merritt Island. Maybe I'll share a little of the story with you because we're, it's in one of the passages here. It's actually in chapter 15 where Jonathan says to his armor bearer, let's go over the hill, see what God wants to do today. Pastor Chuck was teaching on that, teaching on ventures, ventures of faith. I remember the day that he was there 
And uh, as he was doing that, I was sitting kind of over here in Merritt Island, just sitting in that row. And when Pastor Chuck said, well, Jonathan said, God, we're just going to go over the hill and see what you do. And God spoke right to my heart. He said, time, that was January. He says, time to start the church. And I looked over Malcolm, who was uh, the pastor of Merritt Island, and I went, he went, okay. That's how this church got started. We'd waited five years. And God while we waited, we tried to be, to the best of our ability, faithful in the little things. Maybe you've wondered why at 48, I started a church. You know why? Because I wasn't ready at 47. Oh, that's true. By the way, I'm still not ready. I'm way over my head. But God said, okay, now you have a heart enough that I can use you. Don't take that lightly. We're never ready until God says we're ready. He's all-knowing. And that's the privilege. So for 25 years, he's still a shepherd. But see, it isn't wasted time. Let me read you David Guzik as we leave tonight. We don't have to fear for the future when we know that God has provided for himself leaders. In some unlikely place, this might speak to one or two of you tonight. In some unlikely place, God is raising up leaders for his people. He will keep them obscure and hidden until the right time. Then God will raise them up. God will always provide for himself leaders. As I read that tonight, there were many years at Merritt Island and before when we started the churches where people came to me and said, you have the gift of teaching. You need to be our pastor. Many times over around 10, 12 years. And I always said to them, I don't want to be a pastor. That's not my calling. And when I read this, he will keep them obscure and hidden until the right time. Then God will raise them up. And I say this humbly. He used all that time to teach Linda and I to trust him so he could raise us up to be your shepherd leaders. He was always thinking of you. He was always, he was always thinking of you. And the minute I'm gone, he's already working on the next leader. See, God will never be without a man to lead his people. Don't be anxious about anything. I'm not going anywhere. At least at the moment that I know of. But you know, life is short. I could drop there tonight, just like you could. Don't be anxious. He's raising up the whole next group of leaders. Because sheep need a shepherd. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the importance of being patient when trying to follow God's calling for your life. Getting ahead of him will only bring frustration. You learned that David had to wait 25 years before he slotted into the role of king that God had told him was his. He was content to be where he was and, in the meantime, become the man God wanted him to be. 
you don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This completes part two of the Life of David series. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin part three. You'll observe God's identification of David and his anointing by Samuel. This will coincide with the departure of God's spirit from Saul and the beginning of his oppression by an evil spirit. You'll be learning about the role of the Holy Spirit in your life and how to be a more suitable vessel for God's use. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Let us hear your lessons.